Welcome to the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. My name is Natalie Nidham. I'm a nutritionist, a human potential, and epigenetic coach, and I created this podcast to bring you the latest ways to take control of your health and longevity. We cover it all, from new technology to ancestral health practices, personalized interventions, and a very special interest of mine, peptides. Enjoy the show. Hey folks, welcome back to the show. Uh, my guest today is a repeat guest, and that's generally because I have a guest who's so awesome, we couldn't get through everything the first time. And in this case, she's also back because Dr. Zulia Frost, who is the co-founder and head of clinical research for Recharge Health, has lots of new information to share with us on the FlexBeam and red light and near-infrared light therapy in general. So in this episode, we talk about the basics around red light and near-infrared for red light, how it works, what to look for in a device. And then we also talk about the FlexBeam and some of the clinical trials or clinical research that she's done herself in her clinic. So these aren't large scale trials, but these are often specific trials with clients, patients of hers who are looking to resolve specific issues. We also answer a lot of questions from the Facebook community that I run, Optimizing Superhuman Performance. So that's a community of people. Some of them have FlexBeam, some of them don't, and lots of really good questions from there. So if you're looking to reach out to Dr. Frost, she does offer consultations. You can do that through recharge.health through contact. You can set up an appointment with her. And that is also the way to get customer service to the customer service team from FlexBeam should you ever need anything from them. And then if you're looking to connect with me, you can find me natnidham.com. That's my website. Oh, and when you go to recharge.health, should this podcast be the tipping point and gets you to think, I need to get myself one of these uh, flex beams, then you can use discount code longevity and save $50 off your flex beam. Where was I? Oh yeah, you can find me natnidham.com, Instagram at Natalie Nidham, on Facebook, as I said, in the Optimizing Superhuman Performance Group. So thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you guys. And of course, if you get value from this podcast or this episode, please make sure that you share it out with your friends, your family, your network works and that you leave us a review. Thanks again for being here. Totally appreciate you guys and enjoy the episode. Hey folks, just a quick minute to thank our sponsor for this episode, Oxford HealthSpan, makers of Primadine, the only spermidine supplement that I personally use and recommend to my clients and family. Spermidine has earned a permanent spot on my longevity stack. Research has shown that spermidine positively impacts six of the nine hallmarks of aging, including protecting your DNA from damage as you age. Regular users also experience visible results after just one to three months, including better hair, skin, nails, and deeper sleep. I choose Primadine because it is the only spermidine supplement on the market that is free of any additives or excipients, while including a prebiotic to feed your own bacteria to make more of your own spermidine. And now Primadine also has a gluten-free version. To try Primadine, go to primadine.com and use discount code BIONAT15 to save 15% off your purchase. And now let's get back to the episode. Hey folks, just a little bit of housekeeping before we launch into the episode. 
Please uh, remember that all of the information provided in these podcasts is for information purposes only. We are never offering treatments, cures, whatever, for any kind of disease or medical condition. Anything you hear about here is going to be intriguing. There's some research around it, but make sure that you check with your medical provider before you go off and do any of this stuff for yourself. All right. Welcome, Dr. Zulia Frost. It is such a pleasure to have you back on the podcast. Thank you so much, Natalie, for having me. It's been a long time and, um, well, lots of things happen. Life has changed so dramatically, but also lots of things happen with FlexBeam. I'm very excited. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I mean, so the last time we spoke was December of 2020. It was like a different world in so many ways, right? At the time, I think you were talking about being stuck in Barcelona, (laughs) right? Whereas now you're saying, "Hmm, thinking I might be staying here. This is kind of a nice place. And at the time, the FlexBeam wasn't even available yet, really. You were still in pre-sales. So, so much has changed. That's that's so true. And uh, now we have, uh, I think it's about 6,000 users like uh, every day. People use at home and enjoying the flex beam and uh, I've done my testing, lots of testing been done throughout this period of time and I also learned so much about new things about flex beam you know it came up uh, as on the market as a wellness device or we wanted to give people energy yeah. and then people feedback us and it's just beyond that, uh, so many great great things happening Amazing. Well, that's that's just fantastic. So, Dr. Frost, why don't we, I think maybe why don't we pull back a little bit and talk about red light? And first of all, we can talk a little bit about your background with the red light and the red light therapy, because this is a really this is a particular interest of yours. So maybe we can talk a little bit about that. And then I'd love to just talk about red light and near infrared light how it can support the body and healing. Like we don't have to go too deep into that because guys, if you really want to go deeper into that, there's the first podcast that we recorded. And then I'd love to talk a little bit about, you know, the different settings on the FlexBeam because the FlexBeam has this, it's really, it's a very unique device, right? Number one, it's very portable. Number two, it's very strong. And number three, it offers different settings so that people can really understand why, why it's different than than a lot of other things on the market. And also to explain a little bit how it's one of the few devices you can actually put on the skin. And I was talking to someone not that long ago who said to me, you know, Nat, what's interesting is a lot of the research that all these companies are quoting was actually done with the light on the skin, not away from the skin. So I know there's lots of questions in there. So let's start first. Let's start with you and talk about Dr. Frost and red light and near infrared light. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, um, I've known uh, red light since uh, very, very actively been involved in 2009. I use uh, Dr. Weber devices. Uh, they read the light therapy, but using lasers. Okay. So uh, lasers, uh, very unique applications, laser acupuncture, topical lasers, of course, but also laser acupuncture, which using their needles of light pointing to acupuncture points. Very nice, painless, um, effective, effective combination with uh, my other tools in the practice. And um, I also used a very unique uh, application like intravenous laser blood radiation, just stimulating blood with 
energy. So that was a sort of systemic support for the system. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, before they go in time, and uh, I look in the uh, development in the field of red light uh, therapy, and I can see that, um, you know, this is quite invasive approach. And I like something which is not invasive, but also I like to take something for people to take home. Mm-hmm. So that uh, the idea of flex beam when I joined Recharge was really, really attractive for me because when you have this something uh, people can take home as a part of your treatment regime and continue at home with your guidance and getting results because, uh, you know, when you see practitioners, it's only limited time and it's only limited things we can do. Mm-hmm. Although maybe somebody is so amazing, but it's still typically have to do, provide lots of uh, stimulation. So red light, uh, what is interesting about red light is that um, it's actually uh, using spectrum of red and near infrared light. Right. So so uh, red lights typically um, within sort of 600, 625, six, even 660 nanometers is still red light. Mm-hmm. And then near infrared light, it's a little bit further on the spectrum and it's not noticeable to the eye uh, because it's kind of go very, very deep red and then just fades away. We, we cannot see it, but it's uh, uh, approximately 800, uh, 800. 20, 30, 10, whatever, up to even 900, that would be near infrared light. And then it goes into the realm of sort of uh, infrared uh, B or uh, mid-range and infrared C, which is far infrared range. And the difference is the physiological difference because uh, red and near-infrared light absorbs directly by mitochondria which is the organelle which makes energy in the cell. Mm-hmm. And this has to be very clearly understood uh, because mid-range, far-range, um, uh, the photons of light absorbed by water molecules primarily in the body. Interesting. And what is um, the difference uh, is that the difference is that you feel heat with mm-hmm. that. So when you use a device like FlexBeam, for example, because it's oscillating this domain of red and infrared, the stimulation happens directly to mitochondria without heating tissues. Because, you know, uh, when I talk to my colleagues, medical doctors, and uh, they kind of, they know about infrared lights and they say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know this is a lamp I use. But isn't it heating? And when it's heating, you know, you if if tissues are inflamed with heat, you really aggravated. You make things worse. Yeah. And so in their understanding, this is uh, infrared lights, but uh, the new science come up to explain that near infrared lights actually does the job much better without heating tissues and has also anti-inflammatory uh, properties. Well. So, uh, from this perspective, this is uh, very important things to distinguish between mm-hmm. uses of light. Um, another thing is about light to you know that red light is absorbed at the surface of the skin. Yes, it's probably, um, you know, uh, all these photons uh, absorb like literally within 
one centimeter maximum in the strip skin. So therefore, red light is very good used in aesthetics, are used in also in wound healing, braces on the skin, etc. But in infrared light, it, it's stronger. It penetrates skin much deeper. And the uh, infrared light typically, I mean, in science, if you look at the, some uh, research, they say you see photons at the eight centimeters depth. Wow. Well, we tested with FlexBeam, we tested in, in our lab, and uh, it goes 10 centimeters inside the body. So, I mean, it's absorbed. The light is absorbed at that level. So, obviously, if you want to target uh, deep-seated issues like the hip or piriformis spasms, piriformis muscle. You you really need light to penetrate. You mm-hmm. need to target mitochondria there, not in the surface of the skin. But of course, if you're dealing with something superficial, wounds, like, like the different, um, you know, even skin, skin, skin conditions. Yeah. Yeah. Like acne or. Exactly. Yes. So, of course, then red light spectrum is more valuable for uh, such situations. So, um, this is about just uh, just we're talking about nanometers or like visual representation, like red lights, infrared lights. There is some very interesting aspect which not very well uh, understood and unspoken. It's an aspect uh, which is now coming to light through scientific research. It's an uh, impact on melatonin production. Hmm. And this is a very uh, exciting uh, opportunity. It's an exciting future of uh, red light therapy because melatonin is the most powerful antioxidant. Yeah. And um, everybody think of melatonin as a hormone for sleep, but no, they're wrong. Sleep is one of the aspects of the, uh, when uh, your pituitary gland produces melatonin and it's released in the bloodstream, uh, typically happen at night. That's your protection uh, with high antioxidant level and also DNA repair hormone. But what ca- came up very recently, um, t- 2019, I think, by just released uh, uh, by Zimmerman. And um, uh, what scientists are uh, stating there is that not only stimulation uh, production of this pituitary gland and night hormone, but also throughout the day, infrared light stimulates release of melatonin in transcellulose inside the cell, hmm. which creates antioxidant protection and property for the cell. And considering the fact that we are, you know, in the environment, we're absolutely bombarded by this oxidative stress. I mean, the huge radiations, the pollutions, the pesticides, whatever. You you look everywhere. Our body, I'm amazed we adapted and we survive in this uh, storm (laughs) of, uh, you know, oxidative stress. But melatonin is a very, very good hormone to counterbalance this effect and keep the clean uh, the cells clean from excessive reaction oxygen species. That's amazing. So to get those benefits of melatonin, how would you use the red light? It, does it matter where on the body you use it or is it anywhere? Are we, are you getting to that? <laughs> very, no, no, no. It's a very good question because, you know, I question like this, like yourself, I was thinking, oh, do I need to look at it? Because obviously when we look at the sunrise and sunset, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, they really see through the pupils of their eyes. And uh, I'm thinking, I need to stimulate my pituitary so they're light. No, you can just put it on the body and you still receive uh, stimulation of melatonin production. In wow. fact, I kind of proved it. Uh, I did a very small case study, but uh, it was very interesting. Uh, I took a, a young man, 34 years old. However, he for eight years suffered with severe, severe insomnia and imbalance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's not related to SAD, seasonal affective disorder. It was throughout the year. So uh, what the pattern for, for him was he could not sleep at night and then he could not wake up in the morning. Yeah. So uh, we took um, a salivary uh, a test on the melatonin and uh, the uh, results show that before we used FlexBeam, morning was high production and at night it was almost on the floor you know so he was reversed exactly exactly and uh, and i'm thinking i want to know would this device stimulate production of melatonin number one and number two how much is too much maybe it will be too much you know he's already have too much in the morning but the results came out very, very beautiful. I'm so, so pleased because it's demonstrated that when you use a light, particularly flex beam, uh, it's regulated. So uh, for one month, I asked him to do four placement on the body, like on the chest, like back of the neck, on the sacrum, on the abdomen. So this area associated with, um, you know, so, sort of rough position of the vagus nerve and the parasympathetic system. Uh, and he was doing it Monday to Friday. Once a day, first he was doing it in the evening and then he become more energized. He said, oh, can I do it? No. Yeah, I said, do it in the daytime. So, uh, and the weekend off. And so for three weeks, he was doing five days a week. And the fourth week, we decided to space out even more every other day. Mm-hmm. And uh, then was four weeks uh, course of applications and then last uh, week off completely and then we tested because obviously i understand how work energy works in the body the body receives energy wants to put it into practice needs to do some work yeah and so uh, the regulation happens and then time to settle and the results come up um, as such as melatonin in the morning drop to normal level and at night gone into very good beautiful mid-range uh, level and he was uh, sleeping well he he felt much better emotionally you know there's no brain fog uh operates like clear head and um no palpitations feeling like very ha- very happy um what was extraordinary on the top of it that now for uh, eight months he has not received a single time flex beam and he still sleeps wow that's what i was going to ask like how long did it last that's amazing so for the first three weeks he committed to using his flex beam for 40 minutes a day so 10 minutes on the front of the body 10 minutes across the shoulders in the back 10 minutes across the sacrum so that's the low back and 10 yes. minutes on the, I love putting my flex beam on my abdomen, by the way, before bed, it just makes me feel happy. <laughs> I don't know what it's doing, but whatever it's doing, it makes me feel happy. Um, so he did that five days a week for three weeks, then moved to every other day. 
And his results have stayed for eight months. That's amazing. I mean, it's still, Um, like you said, it's a very small test. It's one person, but it would be interesting if people are listening and your sleep is a bit dysregulated and you happen to own a flex beam, like this would be a really interesting experiment to do for yourself. And can I ask you which setting of the flex beam did he use? Because we have three settings on the flex beam. Maybe this is a good time to talk about the three different settings and why you would use different ones. Yes, absolutely right. Uh, my favorite is number three. We use number three. <laughs> <laughs> and why? Why number three? Oh, yes, yes. I'm going to go through this. So setting number one is uh, uh, primarily red lights. So it's uh, a it's between 625 to 635 nanometers in red light. So uh, superficial absorption. So that wouldn't be appropriate. And then we have <clears throat> setting uh, number three, which is opposite. It's mostly infrared light. There so is it a goes tiny deeper. Yes, yeah. There is a tiny little bit of red just so you could see it's working. Basically. <laughs> yeah. Right. And uh, this is continuous infrared, so it's a constant uh, sort of uh, light. Uh, and number two is a mixture of red and infrared. And not only it's a mixture, it's it's also has uh, uh, it sweeps through different frequency patterns. Yeah. So effect, in my view, uh, the effect more stimulating rather than sedating. If you'd say. Okay. Okay. So number two is more of an energy boost, if you will. Exactly. And uh, also I I read lots of research papers and they say that uh, using infrared lights, strong infrared lights, it's it's much better for pain relief as well. So uh, maybe if if people suffer with some sort of pains and legs, they can try flex beam using three as well. Uh, but if you need to wake up the body and respond, then two is okay. Um, so uh, sometimes uh, I, I tell people, you know, most of the time use three, but some odd days just introduce two. It's like a little bit wake mm-hmm. up. Respond, respond, you know, like uh, getting your body a little bit slapped and say, come on, do because it's, it's a stimulation. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's like a morning. You would almost do it in the morning or maybe even at three o'clock in the afternoon. If you're starting to fade a little bit, you might do a 10 minute session. So again, to give that little energy boost, you know, it's funny, like I sit there and think, oh, okay, well, maybe I should be looking at it. But what I think what you would say is just put it on the body and give yourself a, almost like do a 10 minute meditation with it against the body and well, like exactly. a reset. Exactly. If you think uh, from this scientific point of view of the infrared light, you know, in the morning, uh, red uh, spectrum, and then in the evening, primarily red, yes, a red yeah. light. During the daytime, white, white bright light. So uh, what is happening that when you introduce this, very deep red, you're kind of preparing the body to come down or to wake up. It's a preparation stage. But during the daytime, infrared light is still present, uh, but the effect is now on intracellular production of melatonin. So it is better to be on the body, to be honest. Um, So, I mean, yes, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, light exposure for the eyes. Yeah. Maybe Maybe um, I explain a little bit more. 
if with the flex beam, we say do not stare at the light. Mm -hmm. And there is a reason for this, uh, because at the beginning, I wanted to know if it's safe. And we did run a study. We took healthy people and um, some people um, were absolutely fine uh, looking at the light, but um, some people had headaches. And headaches, uh, and um, when I analyzed in sort of history, I understood that um, those people who had headaches, they had in the past some kind of damage, like maybe concussion, maybe something. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking it may, because infrared light goes uh, through the skull effectively, it goes through your eyes, and they stimulate, uh, part of the effect is to stimulate blood flow. Right. So when blood flow is too, too actively stimulated, it can cause headache, you know, or some, maybe, maybe, and I don't know, maybe it's beneficial, maybe it's not. Right. But the point is, it's not enough research. And um, I don't want uh, anybody who has something silent um, by stimulating it, waking up uh, some kind of imbalance in the body. So for this moment of time, my recommendation is to use Google's. Yeah. Uh, uh, and not to stare, uh, but if you feel you're absolutely fine, you've been checked and tested and you have no issue whatsoever, uh, you can, uh, with a closed eye, a distance of 30 centimeters and beyond that, with closed eyes, you can, uh, you know, enjoy with light. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you think with the closed eyes, you're, st you're still going to get, depending on what setting you're on, you're still going to get penetration of the photons. And I yeah. wonder if that's just a less aggressive way of bringing benefit to the to the eyes and maybe even to the brain without actually having your eyes open and staring at it. Like, it seems to me that staring at something for 10 minutes is probably not a good idea. It's, but, it's, it's, yeah. it's very, the flex beam is very strong as well. Yeah. I, mean, I personally cannot look even just for short time. For me, it's very, very bright. Yeah. I don't think it's, uh, it's uh, uh, recommended. Um, and again, as I said, uh, we just don't know what people have. And just be aware of maybe there is some silent processes going on and just better protect yourself. With closed eyes, at distance, uh, there is, um, you know, distance, there is lots of energy dissipates. It's not so strong mm -hmm. and it's possible to but, do it. Yeah. So basically listen to your body. Like if you're able to tolerate and maybe start slow and build up gradually and see how you're, how you feel kind of thing. But that, you know what, that's a good segue to one of the questions I get all the time in my group. Um, because, you know, you do say, I think in the literature with flex beam and because the flex beam is meant to be put on the body, like red light to skin, which I'd like to talk about, because I think a lot of the research that's published on red light therapy actually does apply the red light directly to like on the skin. But for the face, I know that when you were first releasing the flex beam, you were talking about, for God's sake, don't put it on your face. Because <laughs> you can imagine, you know, I mean, we will stop at nothing to grow more, to produce more collagen and protect ourselves from wrinkles and God knows what else. But, but is it okay to have the flex beam, you know, like to me, I imagine it like a book, right? And so I will hold it like a book in front of my face, but not on my face for facial rejuvenation is that is that something that you would you would say is probably okay or have you looked into that at all 
yes, uh, like you, uh, I receive lots of emails asking me about that. I bet you and get more than I, I do, actually. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I absolutely, uh, I'm aware because you think this is brilliant device for my whatever workouts, but might as well I do my collagen, yes. Um, if you use program number one, remember, for collagen production, you need to be quite superficial. Right, three, number one. Three, yeah, three is not good for that. Even two is not good to learn. One is okay. okay. And of course, this program one, uh, it's primarily, uh, you put it like, uh, like a book and you can uh, enjoy it, you know, whenever the skin is. Um, if you feel it's too strong, uh, use the goggles over yep. the eyes. Yeah, uh, the one is um, program one is suitable, perfect, and it's not going to cause any uh, un un unwanted whatever because uh, it just will be targeting the collagen of the skin. Okay, so another question is: Let's say, and I I got this question from someone in my group also. She somehow had some abrasion on her skin, so the skin had been broken. Um, and either, and I, you know, she didn't specify if it was from a cosmetic procedure or maybe she fell, but basically would it be okay for her to use the red light at that point or should she, or is it better to wait for the, for the broken skin to, to heal before you use the red light? Do you have a recommendation on that level? Mm -hmm. Well, generally speaking, uh, lots and lots of research on red light therapy, red and infrared lights always talk about benefits in healing. Okay. And in, the, the rule of thumb is the sooner the better. Okay. Because uh, if you look uh, in the uh, physiological impact, and uh, number one, it stimulates the uh, microcirculation red lights. So, and when you heal something, you need this microcirculation uh -huh. because blood is bringing oxygen, nutrients to the, uh, you know, for the cells to actively repair and uh, number two there was some uh, lots of research on the uh, formation of the quality of collagen instead of like hard uh, scar uh, tissue and collagen is really bouncy and nice so the scar is not so uh, um, offensive and uh, of course there is some papers talking about stem cells increase in production so i was it's just going to ask you about that actually because i just recorded a podcast on stem cells so yeah. we're going to improve the release of stem cells totally. from the bone marrow which will then hopefully because of the microcirculation you've increased circulation to the area of injury so those stem cells hopefully can find their way better yes yes exactly so uh, overall i would say um um uh, I would recommend, yes. Yeah. Although uh, I don't know this specific person and uh, I think specific patient has to seek advice from the practitioner who they deal with because I'm not familiar with history or any kind. But generally speaking, for um, on the body, graces and bones, uh, I, I personally try it and it showed beautiful, nice, clean healing. Nice. The open, if it's an open wound, yes. So you don't need to put it in skin contact because you don't want no. to contaminate. So it will be just hovering, uh, just just slightly over the uh, surface of the skin. Um, if it's a closed and bandaged wound, then you can just place on it and program one, and it runs for ten minutes. So uh, it should be uh, good uh, resources for for healing. Um, like anything, I like to people to understand their 
one problem is never isolated in the body. Mm-hmm. So my recommendation always support your body with energy. So I will put positions over the stomach as well, over the uh, cross on the stomach, uh, this kind of application in addition to local. In addition to there. And actually, what about one thing that I I did in the last year, I felt like I was kind of coming down with something and I thought, I know, I did. I was wearing a sports bra at the time and I stuck it under my sports bra and I had it positioned right over my thymus gland because, mm. you know, in my mind, I'm like, well, if I can bring more energy to the thymus, plus it was hanging down. So across my abdomen, it's like vertically down my abdomen. Um, and I, you know, I can't tell you if that's what did it. I mean, I seem to do fine from that, but would that be would you see that there'd be value in that? And because the thymus is behind the breastbone, really it's hidden. Would you, you would then want to use either the second or the third setting, I would think to be able to get there. Is, yeah. is that thinking? Yes, totally. Uh, correct thinking. Uh, and you can also include even the liver application over the liver, right side of the rib arch. Uh, why? Because the same uh, healing happens not in isolation. So you need to produce certain enzymes, you know, catalyst. You, all, all your body is engaged with this. Uh, yeah. So might as well help the body in many ways you want. Yeah, I love it. And so you're, so again, like, I mean, I'm just going to keep asking questions in case people are sitting there going, okay, so I've used it on my face because I've got this thing going on and then I might use it on my liver or my thymus gland. So just like your gentleman with the insomnia, you could do 10 minutes consecutively, but in different spots, correct? Yes. correct. Okay. Okay, great. Before we move on, because we have, I have a lot of questions. I have a number of questions from the group, as you know, but I just wanted to cover, like, just pull back a little bit and say, you know, there's now, as you say, 6,000 users of Flexbeam out there, which is amazing. I know a lot of them because I've recommended it to so many people. But at the same time, if people have other red light devices or they're thinking about buying a red light and and they're trying to understand, well, what is it that I'm looking for in general? What are the th- what are the signs that maybe this is a device that's not so good? Or what are the things that I want to look for that tell me I've bought a quality device? Do you, do you have any guidelines you can share with people on that? Um, yes, I was just going to give the, the, the just key, uh, key things. Number one, very, 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 very important. Uh, it's probably the most important thing uh, to find out what is the dose this device produces because uh, the effectiveness of the uh, treatment or exposure to light uh, depend on the dose. Okay. Because if you have most beautiful, most amazing, uh, like stylish device, but it doesn't do the right dose, you just won't get any, any effect. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the, the, you need to, at this point, you need to understand what does it mean, the dose. The dose means uh, how strong the uh, light diodes, whether it's a laser or LEDs, you need to know the strength of that diode. So, uh, and again, in our devices, for example, in infrared lights, it's 100 milliwatts. In red, in red LEDs, 50 milliwatts. So it's it's quite strong. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, be, because the uh, the LEDs, uh, they've got this heating sink. And the, um, the, the heat dissipates through these um, uh, fans. 
Yeah. So you've got these powerful fans that are taking away the heat, but you don't heat the tissue, right? You were talking about that earlier. Yes, exactly. And and if you if the device you're looking and it doesn't have this in place, that means it's either uh, very not powerful enough or it's going to hit your tissues. Mm-hmm. So um, if people have that sensation of heat, um, that is wrong. So f- when you have photobiomodulation with red light uh, the, the therapy or red light devices, Make sure that after your stimulation, when you have your session, you don't feel heat. If you're still feeling heat in your body, this is wrong. You should not feel that heat. It could be either you're photosensitive or it could be the wrong device itself. Okay. Um, so the, the dose uh, we talk about first, it's the uh, strength of the diets. Yeah. Number two, how far is it from the body? Yes. So with panels, for example, you position the panel and then you can come close further away. You're already changing the dose. Mm. So really, you have to need to understand, um, as research a little bit more about this. With Flex BMC, we kind of solve this problem because we know the strengths of the diets. We know how far from the skin it's on the skin. Yeah. Then... The third parameter is the time, how long. And we know this lasts for 10 minutes, so we calculated the dose in each of the program. Uh, But if you're doing it yourself, you have to look at the manufacturer's recommendations. Recommendations should be adequate uh, for... um, uh, for the, the dose, uh, approximately should be between four to sort of uh, fifty joules per, uh, per centimeter square. Okay, this is kind of what researchers say. And of course, if people have pain, the the dose should be more, the bigger dose, stronger. Right. But if uh, just somebody is trying to have just maintenance on energy or rejuvenating effect, very gentle effect, the dose should be. Smaller, so um, this uh, uh, and yes, and last thing I wanted to talk about the quality of LEDs. Yes, so if they, if you see, oh, this is device so cheap, is so nice, I'm just gonna get it. <laughs> yeah, check it out. If it's produced somewhere in China, and um, you know the manufacturer is, um, you don't know who is making these LEDs, because uh, sometimes they 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 are um, contaminated. Yes, and then they contaminate your body as well. So they produce um, um, lights, um, uh, not not pure lights. So I that's see. you look, yeah. And and um, in such situation, uh, we use uh, Osram. It's a company, very good, well well known company for LEDs. It's the best LEDs you can get. So quality on that, um, and the uh, EMF. It's another thing. EMF is another thing to look at. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. With, uh, with the Flex Beam, we've done EMF analysis. And I've seen this video on somewhere on the internet. Somebody did like amateur testing and it shows that we have EMF. No, hardly any. Very, very, very wow. little. We've done professionally with the proper equipment uh, for testing and they come up really, really low. So it's very safe. Great. Yeah. Cause I know some of the panels have had issues with shielding from EMF and that's been a bit of an issue for some people. 
um, especially people that are very sensitive to EMF. You know, I like to tell this story that I never used to think that I was affected by EMF until I went to a conference which was being held in the middle of a field <laughs> in a place where there was no cell reception, nothing. Like if it's amazing, you can even find a place like that anymore, right? It's hard to find a place where you're not going to be swimming yeah. in the EMF soup. And even though I was sleeping in a tent and it was freezing at night, like it was so cold. And I went to bed with all my clothes in my sleeping bag. My sleep scores were off the charts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was, it was an interesting observation for me that the only thing I could really explain was the fact that I was in an, I was finally in a, in a place where I just, my body wasn't just being bombarded by EMF the whole night. So I think even those of us who don't think we're sensitive to EMF, our bodies are being affected by it. Well, uh, totally. And even if somebody says, oh, it's, uh, you know, a small amount, but collectively, look at the gadgets in your kitchen. Oh, <laughs> it's like so dirty, right? Yeah. Uh, and then all your, you know, neighbors, what they pollute. If you live in a flat, in a block of flats, God knows. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, it, when it's accumulative on your body, that's the, the, the worst thing of all. Yeah, and that's a channel. I mean, definitely when I went by to buy a washing machine and a dryer recently and the guy said, oh, and this one's really great. It has Bluetooth. And I'm like, I don't want that. <laughs> He's looking yeah. at me like I'm crazy. And I'm like, dude, I don't need a smart dish. Like, I don't need a smart washer and dryer. I just need it to wash. <laughs> that's all I need. <laughs> I'm so with you. I'm totally with you. And the fridge that tells you the weather and what's happening around the I, I don't need my fridge to tell me these things. I just need it to keep things cold. That's all. <laughs> keep it simple. <laughs> One job. Okay. So let's talk about, you've done some clinical trials since we last spoke. You talked about how you've done some, so you did the sleep one with the, the insomnia guy. I know mm-hmm. that one of your big areas of interest is pain management. And yeah. yeah. And so you wanted to talk a little bit about maybe some work you've done in that area over the last, I guess, year now since we last spoke. Um, the, the situation is that, of, of course, first of all, I want to tell everybody that uh, this is my personal study. I have, uh, they are not published in, in no way. I just wanted to get confidence uh, that it does um, you know, produce some pain relief because uh, if if uh, our users telling us it it given me pain relief, I want to know more. Mm-hmm. So, um, um, well, I designed two uh, situations. One when uh, people would come to my clinic and I give them their flex beam, uh, I place it on the areas where they experience in pain. And um, probably three, four places relevant to this pain. Uh, and then I evaluate. They would come three times a week for three weeks. And every time would be approximately 45 minutes. So, um, and then uh, this was uh, in person when I saw them myself. And then we collected the data and uh, the score was um, uh, from pain was in average uh, 5.8 and it dropped down to 1.4. Wow. So uh, in three weeks time, uh, what I must tell you about these people, they were very, very random, different people. It could be people with just, you know, arthritis because of the age or could be somebody who fell and had a motorbike accident pain yes 
um, but maybe not resolved immediately, already three, four months past. And uh, there were people who had pain for four, six years and more. And it's uh, one guy was 15 years and had even neuropathic elements, which means he had some damage to his nerve. Mm-hmm. In the, with the back pain. So uh, these people came, I mean, neck pain, headache, somebody had postural problem. So this, it was not homogeneous group, not, not the same people. But even with conditions like this, when people say, I have not been pain-free in five years' time and suddenly feeling pain-free, that is quite something. That's amazing. It? Yeah. If you get them, okay, in average 1.4, even if you get these people to two, it's an improvement. Uh, improvement in the score of pain. And the second group, it started because we had COVID, of course. Everything is shut. And so um, what people, uh, how did it go? I would send them device and they would have a Zoom meeting and we would talk and understand the, their problem and I give them the protocol to follow and also a sheet to write down the score of pain. Uh, we also measured um, how far they move, for example, if it's a neck. Yes, and we measured also how much pain medication they were taking. Okay. Because it's very important. If people were in pain meds and then by the end of it, they stop taking it, this is a win-win, right? For sure. So, uh, so this second group of people, they use their FlexBeam Monday to Friday and weekend off. And there would be three weeks, uh, uh, but then we have week off. If necessary, we repeat again. Mm-hmm. Another three weeks. If necessary, repeat again. But the maximum we did three weeks. Uh, th- sorry, three of the cycle of three. Three cycles of three weeks each. Right. Yeah. So nine weeks maximum. But but okay. you had a week off in between, right? So you would do three yeah. weeks. So you do three weeks of five days on, two days off, a week off. Mm-hmm. Three weeks, five days on, two days off, a week off, and three weeks, five days on, two days off. Yeah. And that was the end of the study. Okay. Yeah. And then the score was very similar. It was six uh, uh, in the well, average pain before, and it dropped down to 1.4. Wow. Or eight. Yeah. So, um, so a combination of both kind of give us this score, uh, 5.8 to 1.4 which is very nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fantastic. So the score was 6 or 5.8 out of what? Out of 10 or out of 10. Out, of, yeah. out of 10. So these are people who have constant pain but not it's not like acute off the charts kind of pain. It's, it was, it's just uh, like this constant level of they're just living with pain all the time. Uh in the first in the second group I had people who fell off the motorbike yeah, they have stronger pain, like ooh, very strong, but right. not the probably about two or three. And of those people, uh, um, most of the time, people was in this ongoing sort of problematic effect in their lifestyle. Pain. Okay, so so when you were giving them the protocol, and obviously the protocols are going to be different for different people based on where the pain is, but. If I'm to understand correctly, you wouldn't, it's not just, oh, my shoulder hurts. I'm just going to do it on my shoulder. You would, you would probably do different areas of the body at the consecutively, right? So for shoulder pain, maybe you would also treat the neck or you might treat the back, like the thoracic spine, or maybe the elbow, like you would basically, you know, as a practitioner, you would probably sit there and think about, okay, what are the other areas that are that might be getting involved because of course we know 
we have a shoulder injury, the upper back is going to get like the whole body wants to protect that area and it's going to be affected. Right. So, so just so that people understand, because I think it's important, like our tendency is to say, Oh, my shoulder hurts. I'm just going to put it on my shoulder. Right. Which is going to give you some benefit for sure. But I think it's important to point out that in this case, you were going at it from a much more complete, complete for lack of a better word. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Because uh, totally right. Because people tend to put it there and they say, okay, my children, they never think that when they had impact on the shoulder, there is also small whiplash of the head because, you know, they connect it. They anatomically connect it, and they don't think that the nerves growing out of the spine into the arms, the artery, veins, in the same way, uh, they follow distribution of that. So you need to, if you want to uh, completely address, you need to place where the impact was. Right. So you need front shoulder, back shoulder, back muscles even on pecs muscles. And uh, for the neck, I found if you invert the flex beam this way and you put it on the side of the neck, that is a very, very good position to to stimulate. And with this, you can get resolution. And I, I have seen it. So I just want to describe that to people who are listening to the podcast and not watching it on YouTube. And I would suggest that you maybe check this one out on YouTube. But what Dr. Frost just did is she took her flex beam and although we usually curve it with the lights facing inwards, what she did is she curved it with the lights facing outwards and put that curvature at the kind of from the base of the neck, from the base of the head, curving around into the shoulder. So it's like nestled into where your neck meets your shoulder kind of thing. And so that that's really interesting. And that probably feels really good, actually. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, it, it, it's all came from, uh, I said, uh, I had one guy who came and he said, oh, my shoulder hurts. So he received two sessions and the shoulder was still hurting. So I thought, I really need to get there. How do you get there? Yeah. So I was playing with this and thinking, okay, this is a cool way. Yeah, so, no. and, yeah. And, that, and that is the beauty of this device, right? Is because it's flexible and it's small, it can fit into areas. Like my mother, and actually I wanted to ask you about this, for healing fractured bone, we often talk about PEMF, like pulsed electromagnetic frequency therapy. But the red light should will help with the bone as well. Like she cracked a rib. Um, and I think that part of what helped her to heal very quickly, uh, like as an 83-year-old person who cracks a rib, this can go on for a long time. And I would say within two weeks between her flex beam and she also has a PMF mat and a few other things I threw at her. <laughs> she my poor mother, but she listens to everything exactly. now. <laughs> she, uh, like within two weeks, she was almost fine. Mm. Yes, uh, it's it really synergetic to many uh, modalities like um, uh, PMF and electrical neurostimulation as well. So, uh, yes, um, well, if you know physiologically what does it do, so remember, we stimulate the mitochondria to produce more energy for the cells. We, we stimulate proliferation of the cells and little under the lights, you get also improvement of microcirculation. And it's because the uh, when uh, you, you produce the energy, ATP molecules of energy, 
the nitric oxide is uh, kicked out and mm-hmm. it was a day later. So it's, it makes more blood come into this area. And all you need, if you want to heal something, you need fresh blood flowing there. Right. So right. that's it. Yeah. Right. Of course, um, I think it's going to stimulate collagen production, all this, uh, whatever needs for healing. And the stem cells. Let's yes. not forget the mobilization yes. of stem cells, right? Like I think we we kind of forget that stem cells are so, I mean, we think when people think of stem cells these days, they think about, you know, spending thousands of dollars going to a clinic, getting stem cell injections, which of course is fantastic. But we forget we have stores of stem cells in our body course, and yeah. encouraging the body to release those stem cells when we need them for repair can be a big part of healing as well. Yes, uh, I wanted to tell you also about the uh, study, of the very recent um, study I've done on actual performance. Because, uh, you know, FlexBeam is a wellness device. Uh, and uh, when people go to the gym or doing sport, they need to be in optimal energy yeah. state. Yes. So um, first it came out of questions because I thought, how much it affects the performance? Can it affect it? Can, can it be used to reduce fatigue when you do sport? And um, uh, the interesting, um, again, it's very small. We've just got three sort of participants and we, it's ongoing. We're still doing it. And um, uh, what we did, we asked uh, three people to come and they would do, in the first uh, scenario, they would be doing a little warm up and then they do a lateral pull. Lateral uh, pull downs, the- yeah. Uh, on the gym machine <clears throat> and then uh, we place flex beam and then after flex beam immediately they're going to do it again and see how many they can pull now uh, and then uh, one hour later they again flex beam and they pull again and then 24 hours they come in they receive flex beam and they pull Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and each of the participants received three uh, applications. One is a real device, and uh, another two is sham device, which is like oh, the placebo. Yeah, placebo. yeah, yeah. We block the lights, so it's gonna make the true fun noise and everything. But it's against the placebo, double placebo. So there is no chance for, um, you know, for, and, and they would know because behind their back, they couldn't see if it's red light or not red light emanating. Right. And the uh, therapist who was doing this, he was uh, blinded as well because somebody else assigned random numbers. So he would know, he would just put it, turn it on and walk off. Okay. And so, uh, in a sense, that was very interesting test because we wanted to be as more, precise as possible, but it was, you know, consistently uh, with these three, with another group of three, uh, consistently, it was showing uh, 40% increase in number of- In performance. Wow. So again, just for people who are not watching this, who are listening, what Dr. Frost just demonstrated is so people would come in to do a lat pull down on a machine and the, where the flex beam would be positioned would be on the upper, um, the upper back, like across, almost across the traps, but a little lower than that so that they couldn't see it really. And so really what, what was the flex beam doing? Basically charging the mitochondria, charging the cell 
And and what um, what setting would this be at? Your favorite number three or number two? It was number three. <laughs> number <laughs> three all the way. <laughs> and here we, we had actually four positions. And those who have two devices, you can use uh, two devices at once. Uh, just saves time. You know, oh, you yeah. can do two, two positions, but uh, 20 minutes and... You, you cooked, you're ready to, to do. And what was interesting for us as well to discover that one hour before or one hour after the workout, I'm best for the result and the oh. like significant uh, improvement. Yes. Hey folks, just a quick minute to thank our sponsor for this episode. Have you heard of nitric oxide? If you were a listener in December, you may have caught the full episode we have on it. Nitric oxide is a vital molecule that is responsible for cardiovascular health and blood flow in the body. But as we age, we produce less of it. And as a result, the health of our systems are impacted because we're just not getting the optimal distribution of blood and nutrients that we need. I have found a great way to ensure my nitric oxide levels are topped off. And it's a system called Berkeley Life. I take Berkeley's two capsule supplement just once a day. And that gives me the building blocks that my body needs to create adequate nitric oxide. I noticed a boost in energy and stamina all day long. And I know that all of my critical systems, like my gastrointestinal system, circulatory and cardiovascular systems are benefiting from that improved blood flow. My clients and my family take it too, and have also noticed improved outcomes. It's never too early to be thinking about how you can support and sustain lifelong health and vitality. Berkeley Life makes this possible for me and can make it possible for you too. You can access Berkeley Life by going to berkeleylife.com and using practitioner code N-I-D-D-B-L to place your order. That code will also give you 10% off that first order. And now back to the episode. I mean, this was specific to the muscle group in a way, although you're using, you're also using, you're using other muscle groups than the ones that you, you treated, but so you could say that using the flex beam before going to the gym, you could use it along the spine, let's say to activate the, the erector muscles in the spine, which are very key. You could use it on the abdomen to get your core going kind of thing, and then go to the gym and see how you do. Yes, and uh, people doing half marathon, marathon, they need to prepare. Like if they're going to be running, they need to put it on their legs. Mm-hmm. If they're going to do weightlifting, they need to put on the shoulder, back of the neck, up and up back. So basically target the muscles which are going to be used. And um, uh, about um, four positions would be nice. Okay, less than less. Uh, it's depend on this. Uh, so uh, basically, we want them to improve in the performance, so mm-hmm. they could do better. And we also want to reduce the fatigue, yes. uh, recovery afterwards, because uh, you know the uh, accumulation of lactic acid is not uh, really nice. So that could help the whole process faster. Well, again, we're talking also, I mean, not only are you charging the mitochondria, but to your point, you're improving the microcirculation, which is going to help to clear the waste products and bring nutrients into the muscle at the same time. It's, yeah. it's kind of like the same thing over and over again. It's like, how much good can you do? Now you mentioned nitric oxide before, and I didn't really catch what you said about that. Does it, does the red light or near infrared light improve nitric oxide production in, in the body? Yes, uh, uh, because uh, it binds with oxygen on a cellular level. Yes. And 
and compete with uh, nitric oxide. So it's like releasing it. So it's uh, released into the bloodstream and nitric oxide is a vasodilator. Right. And as you know, so many devices, they, uh, sorry, no, so many medication used in pharmaceutical industry to vasodilate for cardiac problems mm-hmm. on increasing nitric oxide release. So again, we, we could do it sort of almost on the, as a side effects of infrared lights and uh, very completely safe and clean and Beautiful. Uh, releasing the right amounts not to over, overwhelm the body. Right, right, right. For sure. Cause you don't want to flood anything. Okay. Is there, what about, and you know what, why don't we just talk quickly about an older study that little trial that you did yourself again on testosterone production. Cause I think if people don't go back and listen to the first episode, it still bears, it's, it's relevant and it still bears mentioning. There are definitely people out there that talk about applying red light to their genitals, particularly men and saying that they believe that it increases their testosterone production. Mm-hmm. And yes. we know, we know that testosterone production, yes, it's site specific, but it's also from the brain. It's also from signals from the brain. So do you want to talk about that a little bit, maybe? Uh, a little bit, yes. Uh, that, that's just one case study I've done. Uh, again, uh, maybe some research company would be interested to do this further, to, to do it uh, in a proper way, get the uh, right amount of people for that. But I, I, we just wanted to know, would it be effective at all? And we took the uh, um, um, subject was 46 years old man. Um, well, nothing wrong, but he just wanted to improve his um, libido and just improve the testosterone, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. So uh, he received um, for uh, six weeks uh, almost daily uh, flex beam. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And we took his uh, uh, testosterone-related blood work before and then after six weeks and then after um, uh, four months and six months. So it was uh, sort of an ongoing project. And um, what was interesting already after the first um, first six weeks, uh, there was a small increase, mm-hmm. uh, really, really marginal increase in testosterone, by available testosterone production. But um, when he continued with this uh, further, and he would do then, like, again, we say three weeks on, one week off, three weeks on, one week off. And we've done uh, two more uh, testings, and bioavailable testosterone eventually rose uh, to 48% increase. Wow. Wow. And that was after four months or six months? Uh, of the four months, the second time we tested, uh, that wow. was in. And then he didn't use um, uh, as consistently, but he still maintained it. Yeah, that's really interesting. And so how was he using it? Was he just, he didn't do skin to skin here. He just irradiated the genitals, yes. basically? Very important. So those people who want to know this, you have to contact me, okay? Because uh, I don't want people to go back home and um, start experimenting. <laughs> Sit on the flex beam. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, first of all, any glands, like even thyroid gland is very close to surface. Testes are very close to surface, yeah? So um, I, the lights in flex beam is very strong. So uh, I would not recommend them to use it. Uh, you know, one minute is enough, two minutes. Oh, so we're not talking 10 minutes here. 
No, no 10 minutes. And that's why I'm, I'm saying it's a very specific protocol. So uh, it was interesting that primarily uh, the places uh, for use of this, it was on low abdomen and sacrum. Oh, yes. so it was not directly on the testicles? No, no. Oh, it is, uh, it, yes. Uh, so those who really want to go and experiment, remember, uh, too much would be negative with okay. photobiomodulation. Because uh, with energy, how does energy work in the body? It builds up. It mm-hmm. builds up and you can push it more and more ener- energy, especially if you do it daily. And then when it peaks maximum, after that, if you keep pushing that energy in, it's not reducing, reducing, reducing. So right. uh, that's concerning the number of time of exposure. But if you just give straight away big dose, again, not good enough because big dose would have a negative effect. So mm-hmm. no needs to this. Uh, remember, body operates on subtle energy. Mm-hmm. So you don't need to too much stimulation. Very gentle, but, you know... A cumulative effect. You can reach a cumulative effect with a very small exposure. Yeah. Um, I'd like to say that uh, I would like to study more this subject and come up with a, you know, uh, a proper scientifically designed protocol based on number, you know, significant number of people. We we know exactly, and then I can release this to public when we have the uh, appropriate um, as well. Um, claims uh, we we could make appropriate claims. Yeah. I know Natalie, your group. I know the guys just want to get. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting. I think you could probably gather a few people from the group who are willing to take your direction, and yeah. will do their n of one experiments. And I think that if you can add up enough n of ones, you can start to elucidate some general guidelines in terms of here's what seems to to be appropriate for people. So. You know, I think all you have to do is say the word and the floodgates will open. So careful what you wish for. (laughs) Well, I said the word. (laughs) You said the word. Okay. So guys, you heard Dr. Frost. If you're interested in in Mm -hmm. being part of an informal clinical trial, then you have a flex beam, then this might be something that you want to look at. But I think what's really important to mention here is number one, we're talking in this case, we're talking about maybe one or two minutes of exposure. We're talking about you said he was doing it almost every day, but still that that cycling of three weeks on, one week off, three weeks on, one week off, to your point, to give the body a chance to kind of assimilate and and deal with the increase in energy, that's really interesting. And I think it's also interesting that after six weeks, which is, you know, people, we're not a patient society, right? Yes. So yes. after six weeks, there was only a small increase. It really, the magic started to happen somewhere between six weeks and four months. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is when the magic started to happen. Okay. Well, that's really interesting. Okay. So is there anything else you want to cover or should we swing into some fast little fire questions from the group? And uh, yes, let's do the question. I think uh, I've just, I just wanted to update what I've been uh, up to with FlexBeam. Yeah. And uh, whatever new is going to come, we put it on the website. And so, um, yeah, let's let's uh, listen to the questions. How about, have you done any work or is there any research on the effect of red light on the ovaries and estrogen production? Um, it's, it should be. It should be, in fact, um, 
I think, a regulative effect like with melatonin. Uh, but I don't know. We have not done anything with FlexBeam. Uh, I read a couple of papers which talk about the application in gynecology obstetrics. Uh, so the effect should be there. However, we we not ready yet to talk about that. Maybe okay. I take it as a challenge for next one. <laughs> so for the testosterone study, this would have been setting three across the abdomen and the sacrum, um, and then estrogen would be if you wanted to if you wanted to repeat this for the ovaries, then you might just change the location a little bit, and again use your number three setting to go deep enough to get to get to the organs, right? Yes, um, there, there are a few other things I would want to do because, you know, I studied Chinese medicine and acupuncture. I understand that for women, we have also an extra, uh, they call it wonderful meridian, which is like a system inside, it's called chon, which is uh, inside the pelvis. Yeah. So from my point of view, if you want to energize that meridian with actual physical energy, that might work. That might do uh, wonders. So uh, I have a few, few things in mind. Hmm. So Interesting. Yes. <laughs> All right. Okay. So that's soon to come, but definitely. So for anybody who has that TCM background, if you know where that meridian is, then you might apply your red light to the meridian and which you would actually kind of hit, you know, we're only so big, right? So if you're doing abdominal applications, let's say before bed or whatever the case may be, you're going to end up hitting those meridians as well. Yes. <clears throat> Abdomen is a very, very good area to apply uh, flex beam because this is your engine. This is your pharmacy. You make everything in your abdomen. And that's where you hold your emotions. Mm. So <clears throat> all this anxiety, relaxation, it, it's just, it's simply pleasant, right? You can improve yeah. your digestion. You can improve so many things because uh, right now new papers come out talking about that all the microbiome in the body is light sensitive. So here you go. That's another application. That's mm-hmm. the way I've always thought about it when I do it before bed. The only problem is, and one thing I think is important is never to block those fans, you know, because you're lying on your bed, you have no clothes on, you've got your flex beam across your abdomen you can't cover yourself up with your covers. You're just going to have to close your eyes, meditate and go with the flow here because you don't want to cover up those. You don't want to block the fans while they're trying to cool the lights while, while it's running. I think that's really important. I'm just looking through these questions, 660 nanometers of light. How deep does it go? Basically, we've already talked about this. 660 is going to be the surface benefits, but if you're looking for deeper benefits, you're going to need to move into the higher ranges like the 800 to 900 nanometers, which is our third setting on the flex beam or the second setting, which is going to go between the two. So we talked about the open wounds and I think we're going to start to repeat ourselves a little bit, but I still want to ask these questions. Someone's asking about transcranial use of the flex beam because there's been a lot of at least preliminary information around uh, for neuro for the brain, right? So people with neurodegenerative diseases, there's that. There was that video of the man who put red lights inside a bucket. He had Parkinsonian symptoms and actually said that he got benefits from this. And now I think he sells red light buckets or something. But with a, if we have a flex beam, can we put it over the head? Will it will it have benefits? What what are your thoughts on that? 
Okay, my thoughts are basically um, no, we're not putting this on head. And the reason is because uh, we do not know the dose, okay? Because um, remember I told you from the beginning, the, the infrared lights can go through the skull like it's nothing. And of course, uh, when it uh, reaches 10 centimeters inside, uh, we don't know what's in, what. what What's there? What's going on? What kind of process is going on? And what is the safe dose? I don't, mm. I don't know. We have not studied this. And that's why in our documents, we say, do not place on head. Uh, however, if you want to target uh, neurodegenerative conditions and you want to support, two things I would definitely recommend. Number one, place it over abdomen because we can utilize this gut-brain uh, connection yeah. and uh, all over the abdomen whatever position you want I like the cross but you can put on the low abdomen uh, size abdomen uh, that's number one number two of course uh, it's very good to use the back of the neck mm. where the module goes right in the center of the spine and uh, with uh, that uh, application you would increase uh, flow of blood and also the blood flowing out. So these two positions uh, would be um, very beneficial. And already um, we've done a few testing with Dr. Leslie Parkinson. He's a brain scientist, uh, one of the top brain scientists in London. And with this application, we saw uh, changes on uh, uh, EEG. Yeah. And we saw the changes, positive uh, healing of the brain, people with uh, degenerative. So, I mean, of course, it's preliminary study. I'm just saying that we have, we are doing some interesting work. But right now, please be patient. Yeah. And don't yeah. it it's, it's use it on the body. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it goes back to when, when you were talking about a shoulder injury, for example, and the value of using it in other spots. Like, you know, our tendency is to say, oh, this hurt, or I want to fix this one thing. So to go straight at it, but with the body, sometimes going else, like going beside the area might be a little bit more effective. So what Dr. Frost was, was just demonstrating here is she took her flex beam and wrapped it around the back of her neck. Um, so you're going to hit the brain stem. You're going to influence circulation to and from the brain and then across the abdomen and tapping into that gut brain axis, which right now we know that would be safe, but you know, in terms of wearing it as a crown, we're not quite there yet. Hasn't, hasn't the work hasn't been done yet. Um, and again, I think it speaks to the power of the unit, right? I don't think the bucket was anywhere near as powerful as our, as your flex beam is. So that's where you could get a point of diminishing return with something that just has too much power for what we're using it for. And again, so red light therapy and kidney disease, I think, mm -hmm. you know, we're going to start repeating ourselves, but at the same time, would it be beneficial? And this is, you know, you're going to have to look at an anatomy book guys and look at where your kidneys are, <laughs> but would, you know, would we be, would we be safe in saying maybe a couple of minutes and then rotate it around in different areas of the body mm -hmm. to support the kidneys? Yeah, it's uh, it's very difficult for me to say anything about this because, uh, again, I have not seen the patient. It would be wrong to give the actual medical advice. Uh, I think um, the, knowing what FlexBeam is doing, uh, which is such as energizing cells, stimulating cells to be healthier, 
uh, on energy level. I think there is no harm to placing there. However, I do not know the process. What process is going on in the kidney? Is it uh, stone formation? Is mm. it degenerative? Is it inflammation? So, um, um, for example, it has uh, some papers publishing about red light to be a uh, good property on anti-inflammatory properties. Yes, yeah? so uh, maybe that would be helpful, but very, very difficult for me to say yeah. and give yeah. advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I got you. And I think in the absence of real, of direct information, we want to go slow. So if if you did decide that you wanted to directly target the kidneys, it, I think my gut would be it's a one or two minute, but then use use your other positions like the abdomen, like the systemic, so that you get the systemic effects that will indirectly support whatever other processes you have going on. Um, but lying with your flex beam across your kidneys on setting three for 10 minutes is probably not the right way to go. <laughs> it might be too much of a good thing, at least in the absence of actual doing trials and studies. I think it's a good idea to go with the less is more philosophy. Yes, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, so then the last one is on prostatitis, which would be an inflammation of the prostate gland. You know, so they, the, this person was asking about the positioning and the setting, and I'm wondering if maybe we're going to refer back to that testosterone uh, trial that you did and maybe give those similar guidelines. But what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a, it's a very similar situation. Again, uh, I really need to interact with the patient to give precise uh, advice. Yeah. Um, Generally speaking, I'm quite positive. It should be considered one of the tools of management uh, and use this light because it's what's going to do, reduce the oxidative stress in the cell, improve the energy formation, uh, improve the blood circulation, which uh, and reduce the, the actual inflammation. Quite possible application. Um, pelvis, of course, good good area to start but again I, I need to make sure there is no cancerous process going on with the patient so yeah. at any stage um so um let's not um, give advice here right now okay uh, but we will um you know i need to interact with the patient to to understand that okay well that's a really good point and actually you bring up something interesting in the presence of cancer what are the guy are there any specific guidelines around red light near infrared light is it once you know there's a cancer you would maybe well stay away and speak with a practitioner yeah. at that point I think I think so because uh, right now research um, remember last time we discussed this and we were saying researchers are sitting like on it, on this question. Some of them saying, well, it's going to be beneficial. Some of them saying, well, not um, from my point of view, it may produce, uh, you know, this proliferation of the cells. So in this case, our our uh, guidance is uh, just avoid the area where you know there is a cancerous process, but use other areas in the body because anyway, it's a quantum medicine. Photons, um, you know, once they're in the body, they, they could be distributed like, like, like in a quantum space and mm-hmm. quantum time, so to speak. So um, it, it's still beneficial for a patient who have cancer to receive energy stimulation, but not right there. Not at the area. So if someone, for example, with... Um and this is more of a personal question, but someone with these basal cell carcinomas, so this is not melanoma, but these are 
abnormal cells on the surface of the skin, we would use, we might use the flex beam, let's say on the thymus gland or on the abdomen, but we would stay away from the actual areas where those cancers are developing. Okay, great. And then finally, and again, I feel like we've kind of talked about this already. This person was asking how far does light need to be from the skin for optimal outcome for anti-aging and for healing? And again, it's going to depend. It's going to depend where it's going to depend on the device. It's going to depend on so many different factors. Uh, as for flex beam, if it's on the body, for example, lots of people concern, you just can put it uh, around the, the back of the arm. Yes. Those. Uh... Oh, for the, for the, yeah. For people who are concerned about that loose skin under the yes. arm, behind the arm. Yeah. On, on the sides, for example, you can just put it there directly on the skin, but for face, we kind of agreed that should be 30 centimeters away with goggles and yeah. program. Yeah, or with your eyes closed and see how you feel. Sorry. Program one to target collagen production. Gotcha. Okay. Um, Oh, and so for healing, still one. Like anything to do with the skin, it's going to be setting number one. So also for things like eczema or psoriasis, again, like probably you would do a little bit of distance. You wouldn't put it right on an active lesion, would you? Well, if if you have this situation, of course, Please, they yeah, need you to got to yeah. get dots and everything. Uh, but if you don't want to contaminate, then don't need to be in skin. Okay. You, you can just like uh, create like a little uh, bridge, like a hovering over the area. Yeah. And uh, that would be nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, I think we've talked about a lot of different things. Is there anything we've left out? <laughs> um, very little things we left out, but I kind of save it for next time. Yeah, and no, for sure. What I wish our users to know that uh, we we are the young company. We uh, we love what we do. Very passionate about uh, our work, and we believe that this uh, small device can bring you health and help you to maintain that health. And you should be, um, you know, should be something which. You looking forward to use every single evening. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on that. I'm I'm right behind you here. So, Dr. Frost, why don't we tell people how to reach you? Um, and, oh, and actually, the last thing I wanted to mention is that um, for anybody who owns a flex beam, because we were talking about this earlier, if you ever have an issue with your flex beam, I mean, I've had mine since last June. I've never had a problem with it. My parents have never had a problem, but you now have a full-on customer service team that's there to support. Um, customers if they ever have an issue and all they have to do is go to your website and they can reach out through that mechanism. Is that correct? Yes. uh, On the website, there is a tab called support. You click on this, it will take you to a support website where you can log in, um, just say, this is my my serial number and this is my question. And you have a team of very uh, caring people. They immediately take care of that. Um, We have also on that support website, we have all the description for scientific research, all the papers, uh, all the protocols, uh, all frequently asked questions, anything which you think you forgot, maybe we haven't discussed, you can go there and you read it. It's there for you, the information. And if you want something to know, something which is not there, please write to us and we will put information on the website. 
Fantastic. All right, Dr. Frost, how do people do? You, are you still taking client patients? They, do you still work with people one-on-one? Can people reach out to you in any way to book a consult? Like how does... Yeah. I do, I do, uh, although not much time, but I do. Uh, first of all, I'm based in Barcelona, so uh, be aware of the time difference. <laughs> <laughs> I can see p- people physically here in Barcelona, or uh, we could do consultation on Zoom. Um, the, to reach me out, it's again very simple. Go now, recharge.health website, and log their uh, question to Dr. Frost, and you will get in touch with me. Perfect. So that's recharge.health is the website. And if any of you are listening and you don't own a FlexBeam yet, and you think that you might just want to get your hands on one, uh, that's the place to do it. And we have a great discount code. You can use discount code longevity and get save $50 off of your device. And that's an ongoing deal that you can get. So Dr. Frost, thank you so much for being here today. It was so nice to reconnect with you. It's always a pleasure, Natalie, to talking to you, working with you. And thank you so much for spreading information, telling people about this. Because, you know, right now in these difficult times, people don't know where even to turn to. And Mm. having something like this at home is such a great support. So I really wish uh, more people know about this. And thank you so much for today. My pleasure. Uh, My pleasure. Have a great, have a great rest of the day. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that's what helps us to be heard and to be seen. If you'd like to connect with me directly or if you'd like to leave any comments or if you have any questions about this episode, please reach out to me directly through my website, natnidham.com. And of course, if you're not already a member of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Community on Facebook, that's where you'll find me every day. It's a short application. Just answer a couple of questions and you're in and interfacing with other amazing biohackers. Thanks again. And we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.